0: You're listening to the 2M Football Show with Mike and Matt.
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome in to another episode of the 2M Football Show. With you here, as always, one of your hosts, Mike. And the other host, Matt. Welcome, Matt. How are you doing this week?
0: I am doing pretty well. It's getting closer and closer to hopefully the start of the season, so I... uh... More anticipation, a little bit more nerves, but trying to stay positive and excited.
1: Yeah, I definitely feel you on that one. We are getting closer. We're also getting closer. Well, by the time we release this, uh, the opt-out deadline will have passed, so we'll stop having to hold our breath with every every notification, every tweet about players opting out for the season. So that'll training be
0: camps nice are underway?
1: Yes, training camps are underway. So we're already starting to hear things about, which players are expected to take on primary roles. Um, Just everything that you love about football season. I think HBO's hard knocks is about to start uh, where they're doing both LA teams this year. That'll be fun.
0: It's going to be interesting seeing the, uh, the chargers without rivers.
1: Yeah. A lot of transition all over the league. Um, yeah, so this week, we're picking up our conversation where we left off last week, we're talking about our prove it players for 2020. But before we get into that, I think Matt, you had a question for me that you've been setting up all week or the last few days, and I'm very nervous to hear. So let's hear it.
0: This this is a question of utmost importance. And I wanted to pick something that sort of taps into who we are outside of just two football fans, because Uh we're more than that. We're like onions. We have many layers. We're like ogres. Nice. I like so that. I have this 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 very deep thought question that I'm just, it may take you a long time to think of a good answer, but are you are you sure you're ready?
1: Yes, I'm ready. Lay it on me.
0: What is a Jedi's favorite Italian dessert? Oh, favorite Italian dessert. Uh,
1: hmm. <laughs> favorite Italian dessert? you got stuff like can oh
0: obi-wan cannoli you <laughs> <laughs> <I> got it <laughs> i'm so proud of you
1: love it i'm so like gelato i don't know if there's anything there No, <laughs> oh,
0: but the funny part is when i saw this on a post and was reading that a lot of people put gelato i was trying to figure out where in the star wars universe gelato it was a pun
1: <laughs> yeah yeah i was trying it to, to you no know sense
0: <laughs> to me but yes it is an, in fact an obi-wan cannoli i love it but in a more in-depth related question mike <laughs> yes what afc division are we kicking things off with our prove it players this week
1: all right let's start with the north and um and i I'll, yeah i'll get us started here so afc north the offensive player i've chosen uh, and i'm actually gonna we won't do this for all of them but just for a little bit of fun i'm gonna make this a little bit of a guessing game for you
0: oh is it like a game of guess who i forgot my cards <clears throat>
1: That's okay. Just pull up uh, pull up the whole NFL roster of the whole league, and that's your <laughs> pick from there.
0: 2,300? Like All right, I got this. Don't you worry. I'm going to get okay, this right. Good.
1: Okay, so this player, we know he's in the AFC North. He is an know. offensive player.
0: All right, well, two obvious questions done. All right, those don't
1: <laughs> he count. Was, he was the 12th overall draft pick in 2014. 2014? He's on a new team this year after being traded from the New York Giants. Or, I'm sorry, I screwed that up. He's, he was traded from the New York Giants last offseason, and he's entering his second year with his new
0: team. Odell Beckham Jr.
1: Ah, it's too easy. Yep, you got it. Nice work. I was hoping you would get to my my hint I was going to give you was that he hates kickers' nets.
0: Oh, that's good. That's good. That's good. No, it was, it was the trade from the Giants because there's not a lot of players that the Giants have traded away that were big.
1: Right. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, you got it. Hopefully the listeners did too. It was not like, it, it was pretty obvious. That's okay. But, yeah, Odell Beckham Jr., um, obviously a huge name in the league, a huge personality. Um, and that was a pretty shocking trade when he came over to Cleveland from the Giants prior to the last offseason. Especially last the fact offseason.
0: that nobody seems to ever really want to go to Cleveland. <laughs>
1: right right he was leaving one of the bigger football markets uh, for you know one of the smaller ones and a lot of people um he his, his personality rubbed some people the wrong way that's for sure he's been called a diva a lot of like a lot of receivers before him <sighs> And uh, but as we all saw, I'll, I'll never forget that game. The catch his i think it was his rookie season—that diving backwards into the end zone, one-handed catch of that Eli Manning bomb. That <laughs> was the instantly iconic moment. Uh, but his relationships in New York kind of frayed over the years, and so they—and I think that was the primary reason for shipping him out. And they got a haul in return. I don't remember what exactly, but but the point is, he didn't have. Uh, so last year was his first year in Cleveland. He didn't have the most uh, successful year there, really. They can't be super thrilled with their results. He did play all 16 games, well, although put, it was
0: and but, I did to interrupt you, but I put that on the coaching. Kitchens should never have moved up to the HC. He should have stayed as the OC, and they would have been fine. But I think he took on too much. So I put that on the coaching staff, not Beckham or Baker's performances necessarily.
1: Yeah, I do have a bit of a note about that. I'm glad you brought up Kitchens, although you ruined a joke I was going to make. Well, um, but, uh, but also, it was we found out in the offseason that Beckham himself was dealing with a sports hernia, that he actually had surgery to repair uh, core muscle during the offseason. So you wonder if that had something to do with it. But yeah, he played all 16 games still. He still posted over 1,000 yards receiving. Uh, only four touchdowns, though. And there were a lot of moments throughout the season where it seemed like him and quarterback Baker Mayfield weren't quite on the same page. And I think another one of the issues is you bring in a guy of that magnitude, and I think they sort of forced targets his way when they shouldn't have, when there wasn't really a play to be made there. And that sort of made everybody look bad as a result. And, and yeah, the whole offense – the offense and the whole team were pretty dysfunctional under, like you mentioned, Freddie Bathrooms. <laughs> I mean kitchens.
0: Uh, oh. oh,
1: oh, oh. <laughs> that was really bad. So in 2020 uh so yeah, he's gone. They've got a new coaching staff replacing him. This year he'll uh they'll have Kevin Stefanski coming in uh from Minnesota or yeah, he's the head coach. He's coming over from Minnesota where he was the offensive coordinator last year.
0: Much bigger improvement
1: should be. Yeah, it should be a much more balanced uh, cuz they've got a great running game too. They've got Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. And so they should, it it's definitely seems like they will be a run first team. That's the kind of scheme that Stefanski ran in Minnesota. Yeah.
0: Use the run and set up the pass. He exactly. It, he didn't cook, they'll do it here.
1: We've, we've talked about the same concept with like Tennessee, with what the Colts are probably going to try to do. And yeah, it certainly seems like it'll be the same here in Cleveland. And just with Odell specifically, you know, over the years we've seen the good, the bad, the amazing, the bizarre, and pretty much, he's covered the the whole spectrum there. But what we know is that he's a top five, I would say he's a top five receiver, just pure talent wise, when he's at his best. uh He's 27 years old. He's got some time still. This will be his second year with Baker,
0: who also, I think, has a lot to prove this year. And um, I'm, I'm not on the bigger. train yet that's willing to label Baker a bust. I think he's just had oh, a poor coaching weird. staff.
1: Mm -hmm. it's too early for the bus label, but he, you know, it was a down year for him
0: make leaps forward though. Under Stefanski, even though it's a new offensive system, a lot of the weapons are still there.
1: Right. And when you have an effective running game, passing lanes tend to open up more uh, for you as well. But yeah, as a whole team, I think these, these Browns are, they're hungry. You know, they've got high expectations, even though they're in a tough division, but they feel like, um, they feel like they could hang with the, baltimore's and uh, the pittsburgh steelers of the world and uh yeah that's baltimore's about it i can't wait to see
0: how it... the baltimore's there's more than one
1: uh yeah you know the north baltimore south
0: <laughs> there's no recovery just move on
1: <laughs> uh yeah no that's basically all i had i'm looking forward to seeing how it plays out for the browns as a team and beckham will certainly be the key in the passing game even does it a feel final.
0: like that maybe the browns won't be the laughing stock of the nfl
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think they're beyond that for a few years now, since the, since the two seasons where they combined for one win <laughs> hopefully yeah. that's in the rear premiere for everybody.
0: Well, for me, I decided to choose an offensive player that is on a similar team that was kind of stagnant, boring, made fun of, and went through a good dramatic overhaul, especially with this past season's draft. Joe Burrow will now head the, uh, the offense of the Cincinnati Bengals, but he is not my player of choice. It is actually oh. Joe Mixon, the running back.
1: Oh, okay, another Joe.
0: Right? It's, it's going to be the Joe show over there. <laughs> Give me a box of Joe. Joe Mixon, that is. Nice. Um, I like the fact that he's an excellent dual threat out of the backfield. Can go in the flat, has good hands, as well as can find the lanes. Shows a bit of that Le'Veon Bell-type patience. And allows the things to develop, but also doesn't go down after the first hit. Um, I noticed a lot of the times he was a really good screen running running back, and he's had back to back thousand yard seasons with two hundred fifty plus receiving yards. Mm. Um, so definitely a uh, a good powerhouse for that offense, and I think that's going to take some of the pressure off of Baker and the and the passing game.
1: Burrow, yeah,
0: or Burrow, yes, um, and, and and allow him to learn that offense at a much better pace due to the fact of training camps are all messed up and the ramp up to begin the season is a lot tougher this year than in previous years. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's going to be a lot more of Burrow learning on the fly as compared to learning kind of in training camp.
1: Right, yeah, in preseason, which we also won't
0: have. And then the biggest thing is, depending on how the season plays out, he does become an unrestricted free agent next year.
1: Oh, okay, yeah, I've been hearing reports that they that he wants an extension, and I don't know if they're working on it. But would you say they should do that?
0: I would say so. If he can put up with uh with these with the coaching changes and the overall overhaul of the offense, a new quarterback under center, a a very short training camp, if he can muster close to at least eight hundred yards and two hundred receiving yards, like even just you know two thirds of what he did last year. I think you're looking at a good three-year extension on that, at least three to four years.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and I think I think he fits this offense well. I think him and Joe Burrow can make a really good team. Uh, it all depends on how that offensive line is going to work. Yeah. And in the division, that offensive line is going to have to compete with a very, very good defensive end. Oh, okay. And they're going to have to contend with the oh. aforementioned Cleveland Browns, but one person in particular, Mr. Miles Garrett. Nice segue. Right? I mean, I, I worked on that. I practiced that. I looked in the mirror. I told myself <laughs> it was going to work, and I made it work. You nailed it, man.
1: Yes. <laughs> so um, tell us more about uh, this, Mr. Miles
0: Garrett. Um, He seems like like last year was just a weird set of circumstances. It was – you can argue – Tempers flared, things escalated. You know, it's passionate of of the game, if you is what the players will tell you. But
1: I assume you're referring to the incident with uh, Steelers quarterback Mason Rudolph, where after a play, hit him
0: over the head with his it, own helmet.
1: Yes. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yes. Just
1: in case anybody forgot. <laughs> Which, how could you? Your but
0: Steelers fans didn't forget. Yeah. And I'm sure Bronze fans didn't forget either. Mm-hmm. Um, because they were probably cheering and Steeler fans were ready to start a fist fight.
1: Oh, yeah, because there were a lot of people that said uh, Rudolph started something.
0: <laughs> I'm not going to
1: get into finished. that
0: political oh, no. no so that, he said, he said type right. garbage. Because w- whatever happened, happened. But here's what was interesting to me is... That almost got overshadowed by the fact that the Browns resigned him to a massive extension. At the yeah. time I did the research and did this, they were only going to exercise his fifth year option um, to the fifteen point one eight four million, and that was on four twenty seven. And then it was like what six weeks later they resigned him to like a good four year deal.
1: Yeah, I think so. I'm trying to pull up the details right now just because I'm curious. Uh- and it was yeah.
0: it was like a lot of people's jaws hit the floor because, like, this is the same guy that basically assaulted the Pittsburgh quarterback with his own helmet, which I, I'm sorry, but that fact makes me laugh, that it was the Pittsburgh's quarterback's helmet. <laughs> he took that guy's helmet and hit him with it like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> so
1: it was a five-year extension, 100 million in total guarantees, on uh, total value up to $125 million.
0: Which to me is just insane, but it's showing that it's not just quarterbacks getting these big contracts. I mean, Joey Bosa signed a massive contract. There's the Khalil Mack trade for Chicago. Yep. Um, and then you got Miles Garrett here. So it's showing the appreciation that good, solid edge rushers are hard to come by. And I think the, the, the Cleveland defense I don't think ever should have gotten rid of um, Greg Williams, but they did. And it's just going to be exciting, like Nick Bosa and Joey Bosa and these good edge rushers, just to watch him play. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm kind of expecting, if the offense is clicking, giving the defense more time to rest, I'd expect at least three multi-sack games. Um, I have him down for a 16-sack year, three force fumbles, and 50 combined tackles. Son. So a, a pretty, pretty darn good year. Um, I think you know the cleveland as a whole depending on what the offense does if the defense winds up being out more it's just a matter of wear and tear on them so i will expect a few games where we don't see garrett get as many sacks but definitely qb pressures Mm -hmm. Um, he's going to be in the face of the offense a lot
1: that sounds very realistic (laughs) and if that's all you've got on garrett then uh This actually sets up nicely because my defensive player pick in the AFC North is on the one team we haven't talked about yet, and that's the Baltimore Ravens. And uh, the guy I picked was their first-round pick in the 2020 draft, 28th overall, uh, named Patrick Queen. He's the first linebacker that the Ravens have taken in the first round since 2014 when they took C.J. Mosley, who was essentially the successor to – you know, all-time great and Ravens legend, Ray Lewis.
0: Hey, I know that name. Yeah,
1: <laughs> most people do, I would imagine. And uh, and for Queen himself, at, he was from LSU, and he showed a lot of versatility in his game, um, defending both the, the run and the pass very effectively, which is something that's becoming more and more important in the NFL as you have these uh, receiving tight ends sort of taking over. And he came through in some of their biggest games of the season. He had a key interception against Alabama in a late November game. And then in the national championship, he took the defensive MVP. Um, He was named MVP after two and a half tackles for a loss and half a sack in that game. So he came through when his team needed him the most. Uh, The biggest challenge for him, I think, this year as a rookie, besides acclimating to NFL game speed and as we talked about with Burrow, the fact that there's no – or a much different and more limited offseason than rookies usually have. Um, so besides all that, he just needs to add a little bit of weight and kind of play a little bit bigger. He's got the speed down, but he's, his, he's a little bit undersized, uh, coming out of college at least, just to make sure he can handle those NFL-sized offensive linemen. Those are some, some big boys.
0: <laughs> they, and, they, they eat their meat and potatoes.
1: They sure do, <laughs> and they eat yours too uh I mean, no not, not, yeah.
0: <laughs> i don't eat mine because i ate mine uh-huh. i i have, I have proof i've eaten mine
1: <laughs> how are you gonna stop them
0: uh
1: i just eat it first duh okay. uh but yeah back to uh patrick queen here there's a long tradition in baltimore of a dominant linebacker play so the the pressure's kind of on him <laughs> there's as I already referenced, there was Lewis, Ray Lewis back in the day, C.J. Mosley, who is now out of town, and and now that mantle, if you will, is sort of passed down to Patrick Queen.
0: So, Do you think, do you think that he could be a killer queen? <laughs> I think he definitely could
1: be. And I think that wraps up the AFC North. I think uh, so. Cool. All right, so taking it down south. Let me just make sure I have my notes in the right order here. I would hope so. <laughs> I didn't label them. Okay, so my offensive player from the AFC South is Gardner Minshew.
0: Oh, and, um, you do love yourself some Minshew magic. Uh,
1: I mean, that mustache. How could you not? And I know.
0: I, I had it first, but that's all right. He can have it.
1: <laughs> that's very generous of you.
0: He wears it better. I'm not going to lie.
1: But between that mustache and the, the reports that he does his pregame warmups in, in just a jockstrap, I mean, that's enough of a story right there to get this guy in the news.
0: That's what intrigues you. Go on.
1: <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I'm really excited about his chance to be a, a, to come into the season as a starter this year. But going back to a brief introduction, he was pretty much unheralded sixth-round draft pick last year. I And then it was by the Jaguars to be the backup, of course, because they had just acquired Nick Foles to be their starter. And I remember week one watching the games and I get a news alert that Foles is hurt. And I'm like, who is their backup? I have no idea. And it says Gardner Minshew. And I'm like, what? (laughs) I've never heard that name in my life. But he ended up playing 14 games last year. Even once Foles came back, he was good enough that they kept him out there. And he completed 60% of his passes for 3,200 yards, 21 touchdowns compared to just six interceptions. And he added 350 rushing yards as well.
0: He got them legs, (laughs) Joe.
1: Yeah. He didn't, you know, and the downsides of his rookie season are he didn't really push the ball down the field too much. He had a very low uh, average per pass attempt. Um, But he also didn't make a ton of mistakes. He saw just the six interceptions. That's pretty good for a rookie. And then the team went off and and traded Foles away. So clearly they have some level of confidence in his abilities.
0: I mean, he's definitely no Jameis Winston. You know, he throws six interceptions, you know, every week.
1: (laughs) I mean, six touchdowns too, though. Why why are you putting me in a position where I have to defend Jameis Winston?
0: (laughs) Because it amuses me. Okay, uh, I mean, but yeah, I, I could put you in a position to defend Ryan Fitzpatrick too.
1: Oh, I would gladly defend Ryan Fitzpatrick. you Kidding me?
0: A battle for another day.
1: Okay, we'll get there. Uh, but yeah, I'm excited to watch Minshew. He's coming into his second year in Jacksonville. There's, um, he's got some good weapons in the passing game. He's got uh, DJ Chark. And I, th- I thought you were going to do the do-do-do-do-do-do. Okay.
0: No, I was really to see what else was on that offense.
1: Oh, well, they still got Leonard Fournette. He caught a lot of balls last year. They brought in Chris Thompson. He can catch some out of the backfield as well. D.D. Um, Westbrook, who was pretty disappointing last year, but...
0: I'm hoping for a bounce back out of him, to be honest. I had higher hopes for him.
1: Same. Same, yeah. Now so some pieces there. I do think it's going to be a very rough year for Jacksonville. They their defense that that really amazing defense that they wrote the is Campbell's with. gone yeah Campbell's gone Boye's gone um the other guy Ramsey's the gone other guy.
0: <laughs> the other guy you named two there was 10 other names you could have thought <laughs> of
1: but yeah so that defense that they wrote to the AFC championship game a few years ago has been pretty much sold for parts uh but on offense they've got some weapons like i outlined they've got a new offensive coordinator jay gruden and he's had a lot of success in the league and i think this is a year where you can't judge the jaguars or you get Minshew at least you can't judge on the team's wins and losses because there are gonna be a lot of losses
0: (laughs) well here with that in mind though taking the win loss out of the equation Mm -hmm. talking fantasy now what do you think of having Minshew in a two quarterback league
1: i think he's just fine as a as a quarterback too Um, because the the low mistake rate that you know that saves you some points saves his team some points too in real football and I think what the coaches are going to be looking for and what I'm going to personally be looking for as I watch his game film this year is just for being a little bit more aggressive and yeah that'll probably come with a couple more interceptions potentially but uh, I think that could really open up things for the the offense as a whole if he shows the ability to hit the deep ball a little bit more. And he's going to need it to stay in games because, like I mentioned, that defense is rough. And uh, I don't think this is going to be a great year for them, wins-losses-wise. I'm excited about Minshew, though, that being said.
0: Just keep in mind, when we get to the defensive side of the ball, I do have a person on the Jacksonville defense to talk about.
1: Interesting. I can't wait to see who that is because I don't think I could name a single one.
0: But for now, let's continue on the offensive <laughs> side of the ball.
1: Yeah, who you got? It.
0: Um, it, to me, it was ironically a no-brainer just because this resurgence in the career has caught my attention and caught the league by storm, and my player happens to be the current starter for the Tennessee Titans.
1: Mariota. Just kidding.
0: Well, you know, at one point it was, and I not that I hate Marcus Mariota, but I think we may see him start at some point for another team. I do. hate him. It, <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. It is, in fact, Ryan Tannehill. Ah. Um, who led the Titans on a, I think, a surprising, although when we look back at the facts, not terribly, it shouldn't have been a surprise, but a very surprising postseason run. Mm-hmm. Given the fact that the Titans knocked out the Ravens in the postseason. Yeah. That like, was
1: an upset for, <laughs> for all of
0: ages. Time. Like. Yep. That's a once in a decade type upset where it's like a clear cut winner. There's no way. Yeah, they're hot. Yeah, that's great. They're good. Yep. Nope. They're gonna stop it. And nope. Baltimore could not figure these guys out.
1: And neither could Tom Brady and the
0: Patriots. I'm just I'm just in awe because I feel like, and I think we touched on this a little bit um at one point was in a, in our uh off season recap, I feel like Tannehill was in a very toxic environment down there in Miami. Uh huh. Yeah. And they didn't quite have an identity. They didn't. They had a run game, but they didn't really commit to it. They didn't use it. I think their their backs were different. And I feel like Tannehill just fits this offense. Mike Variable has just done a great job of like, we're going to focus on one thing and we're going to do it well. And it helps a quarterback when they don't have to throw the football. But at the same time, it counts that when they do have to throw, that they're actually doing something well.
1: Right. Because going back to Mariota again, he had the same offense around him that Tannehill came in and had, you know, Mariota had Derrick Henry next to him too.
0: And and they struggled. Yep. So if anything, Tannehill is my pick just to see how a second year in this Tennessee offense does. I really think he's going to continue to do well. He's going to continue to have, you know, success with this and it's, the only thing I have questions that is is the offensive line is rated a mid tier line. Other than that, Tannehill is gonna you know use the play action, mm-hmm. give Henry the ball, and let him do the dirty work. Yep. Um, signed a four year, one hundred eighteen million dollar contract in March. Yeah. Yep. Um, so really, they feel like they're gonna keep this offense together for quite a long time, which is good for Tennessee. It's nice to have another team that you don't normally talk about in postseason talk there.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Um, It freshens it up a bit. But with that, they're going to have to also contend with Jacksonville, which, as you brought up on the defensive side, lost some pieces, kind of banged up, and a lot of question marks, which is why I figure it's interesting to take another rookie cornerback. You know, I took Okunda for the Lions for being a rookie quarterback, and then I decided to take C.J. Henderson here.
1: Okay, okay.
0: Um, because it was just interesting to see another rookie cornerback on two totally different teams, two totally different defensive-type coaches. And looking at...
1: Both former Belichick disciples, though, interestingly enough.
0: Right? Um, it, it's it's going to be interesting to watch how these two different players develop. Yeah. Um, Henderson didn't have an explosive. He came out of Florida. He amassed a total of six interceptions, uh, 66 solo tackles, 93 total tackles, um, returned two of those interceptions for a touchdown. So he had a pretty good three years in college. Yeah. Nothing too flashy, but enough to, you know, catch the eyes. I mean, they drafted him with the ninth overall pick. Yeah, wow. Uh, if I've got that correct, that should have been the ninth overall that Jacksonville had uh-huh. uh, first round ninth overall. So they clearly saw something in them. Um, hands look good. The only thing I had questions on when I watched this combine tape was the reaction time when they were doing the, uh, the snapped side to side drill. There's a name for it, but I can't remember. Basically they have them start running backwards. Um, and then the, the coach will snap the football left or right, and the, cor- the corner has to turn their hips and their body to that mm-hmm. side. Yeah, yeah. And it just seems like he was taking extra steps. And while an extra step or two doesn't seem like a major deal, that leads to slower reactions to the release of the football. Mm-hmm. So I figure, like most rookies and even most teams, I figure a, a rough first few games, maybe through week four, maybe about week six, we'll start to see some of that first round talent, even if it's just minor blips, you know, we can't really hold too much against these players this year.
1: Yeah, definitely not. And I think the same caveat uh, that I said for Gardner Minshew should apply to all the Jaguars, especially the players, like the young guys that they're trying to evaluate and, and see what they got. It's like, yeah, he'll probably get burned a couple times over the course of the seasons, but then does he learn from it? Does he, you know, Quicken that reaction time and improve along the way will be what
0: uh, I it must be fun. I think rookie rookie defenders are kind of fun because a lot of them play hard on in college and then they get to the NFL and realize they can't do the uh, the same things that they did back then. Yeah. All right. The cool. ball is on your side of the field now.
1: All right, then wrapping up this division. Uh, or yeah, this division. Uh, my defensive pick is on the Titans. And he's a guy they just acquired this off season from, or well not from Atlanta, but you know, Vic Beasley is my pick for the, the defensive player in this division.
0: Has he reported a training camp yet?
1: I don't know if he's reported yet. And that is the f- first bullet point I had here because the first few days that they just, just nobody knew where he was. And the most recent thing I saw was that he did get in touch with, uh, with the coaching staff and, And I don't know. It's kind of a mess and a little bit of an unknown. And that all happened after I picked him for my, my player pick. So we'll see if he shows up, but they found him. He's okay. Uh, And he said he will be attending camp at some point. So that aside, assuming he does show up.
0: What are are the odds that you're going to have two players that go on the opt out list?
1: I mean, at this rate, (laughs) they're, they're creeping up, but yeah, he was, In his time in Atlanta, he was the eighth overall pick by the Falcons uh, back in 2015. And and I don't know if I said this. He's an outside linebacker, like an edge rusher, a kind of pass rushing specialist kind of player. And that's what Atlanta drafted him for in 2015. Uh, Didn't do much as a rookie, but then he had an amazing sophomore campaign with 15 and a half sacks, which led the NFL that year. Uh, however, since that year, 2016, he, he's really regressed and it's, I'm not sure why personally he only had, so he had 15 and a half sacks his second year. He had 18 total sacks in the three years since, and it it, it wasn't an injury thing. He only missed two games over that, uh, over that span. And last year he was pro football Focus's 85th ranked edge rusher out of 102. Uh, So not great there either compared to his peers, he did improve slightly on 2018's performance, uh, but for whatever reason, he really just hasn't been the same since that second year breakout when he led the league in sacks. And that all led to Atlanta letting him hit the open market. They did not exercise the fifth-year option. And this offseason, he signed a one-year $12 million contract with the Titans with nine and a half of that guaranteed money. It's sort of a crossroads for him, right? It's a one-year prove-it type deal. and from the Titans side, they desperately need help with their pass rush. That was sort of the one glaring weakness in their defense last year. It was a really strong unit, a good pass coverage in linebackers, but they didn't get a whole lot of pressure on opposing quarterbacks. So that's where they hope Beasley can make an impact. That's where, for his own personal um, career, really, to, if he wants to keep that going, which I imagine he does, he'll want to have a big year for Tennessee this year. And I will keep an eye on that.
0: You could better keep two eyes on that.
1: Well, one eye is going to be busy with uh, Gardner Minshew and his jockstrap.
0: <laughs> I got nothing for that. <laughs> All right, moving right along, it takes a lot to make me speechless. You know that.
1: <laughs> that's yeah. why I try my best.
0: I mean, you didn't. You know what? I'm not even going to finish that statement.
1: Okay, next up is the AFC East, um, and I'll kick us off here.
0: Oh, well, fine. That's whatever.
1: Yeah, that's right. Okay. My offensive pick is Nikhil Harry, wide receiver of the Patriots. He was their first round pick last year out of Arizona state. Um, and unfortunately he suffered an ankle injury in training camp and got put on IR before the season started. He has really good size at six foot four, twenty five pounds. He's a really uh, good mismatch against most defensive backs being taller than most of them and bigger. And he has good hands, makes a lot of catches over the top of the defender. Uh, He mosses people all the time and is great at catching the contested uh, ball.
0: I think that's going to be huge with Newton under center this year, potentially. Or even if Newton, for some weird reason, gets hurt and Stidham's got to be up there, it's nice to know that you have at least one wideout that you can throw up on a 50-50 and there's a good chance they're coming down with it.
1: Right, yeah. Uh, and he is in a lot of contested catches because the biggest knock against him is that he's not really – he's not the fastest guy. He's big, but he's not that fast and sort of struggles to gain that separation from defenders. So he he has to make a lot of contested catches. But he's good at it, so that's the good thing. And he did end up – he came off IR for the end of the season and appeared in seven regular season games. Uh, only caught 12 passes, though, so no real sample size in the NFL too really taken to year two at this point um interestingly enough when he was drafted the player comparison out of college was Devin Funchess <laughs> which hey who, I know that name. who was a teammate of obviously Cam Newton in Carolina back in the day so that's an interesting connection there you already mentioned it and Cam isn't what you'd call accurate really but but he can throw it he can he's got that arm strength he can throw it and he's not afraid and he's Cam himself has always seemed to prefer uh, the big receivers, big targets like Funchess, Calvin Benjamin back in the day. And, uh, yeah, back to Harry, it's going to be a crazy year for the Patriots all the way around. Not having Brady, obviously. A lot of change there.
0: Fantasy value. Where, where do you rate him?
1: Ah, Late-round flyer still. I'm not, I'm not reaching for him necessarily. Except in dynasty, potentially he has a bit more value because he's a, a young guy. But uh, he could definitely be a you know best case scenario for him. I would say he could get eight to ten touchdowns probably from from Newton. And I will be, um, yeah, watching his career with great interest.
0: Yeah, I'm looking at the roster and I feel kind of good with where he stands. Because um, yeah, right he'll be the
1: out- outside. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he'll be the primary. Um, outside receiver You've target to be
0: wide receiver one. Cause you're going to keep Edelman most likely in the slot and maybe Sanu is your number two, mm-hmm. you know, you yeah. got Matthew Slater as a trade out, you know, as just, a as a, as a replacement once in a while, maybe a four, like an open wide setter spread. Yeah. Set. Yep. Uh, they have no one at tight end, but a bunch of rookies. Uh, but they do have one guy to segue into mine because Ooh. I happen to just so happen to choose as well. A, uh, a New England offensive player. Cool. And Who it's is? Tom Brady. Wait a second.
1: Wait a second. What year is it?
0: Uh, when did they lose to the Giants and ruin their perfect season?
1: I don't know. Was that like 10 years ago now? I honestly have no track of time. I feel like it's 2025.
0: Well, when you stare at the same four walls all day, time loses all hope.
1: <laughs> you okay, Matt?
0: <sighs> Hold on. I just, I, just need, I just need to take a sip real quick. All right, I think I feel better now. All Much right, better, yeah.
1: But yeah. <laughs> so tell us about uh, Tom Brady. Oh wait, no. Who is your pick?
0: Sony Michelle. Ah, good one. Which I'm looking over his stats from last year because I drafted him as one of my running backs, and I was severely disappointed. However, apparently he did really well, and I don't understand it. 2019, <laughs> he had seven touchdowns. I don't remember that happened. 247 rushing yards or 247 rushing attempts, equating to 912 yards. Like, did I have the same Sony Michelle as, like, what actually was there? Well, I
1: think half of those touchdowns were in the same game, so (laughs) the rest were sprinkled uh, throughout. But, yeah, that's
0: better than I would have thought, too. Combining those yards from scrimmage, he exceeded 1,000. He actually had 1,006 last year. Um, and I see him as a well-rounded complement in that backfield to James white, who I feel like they were using more in the passing game. Yep. Um, but the biggest knock on isn't on Michelle, but I feel like new England towards the end of the season just seemed to abandon the run game at some point. Um, and I'm not quite sure what happened with that, but I mean, they didn't have a lot of terms of receiving targets. So I don't know why they wouldn't have utilized, you know, maybe a two-back set more. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, there's a million things we can question about New England, and they always find a way. But I do have breaking news. Well, I guess it's about 24 hours later than breaking news in regards to him. And RotoWire just lit up the place by saying that uh, Michelle was placed on the pup list as of Sunday.
1: Oh, I hadn't heard
0: that. With uh, with a foot, he's active on the pup list, but with a with a foot thing, so I'm gonna have to keep an eye on that.
1: Mm. Make sure he gets activated before. Well, he's got about four weeks
0: left. Yeah, that's uh. Now that I'm looking at that, I don't know about a foot injury and four weeks to heal. Uh, something to monitor. Absolutely, and while you're talking and yakking about your well, you already did your offensive player. I forgot. See, I forgot already. I said, I don't listen to you.
1: That's what happens. That's what I get for interrupting you.
0: Um. But now it's my turn to kick off the defensive side of the ball. Because as you're talking about yours, I'm going to have to look at this because I need to know what just happened. <laughs> okay. Um, I decided to flip up to, and here's another spoiler for one of our segments of division leaders. Aww. I decided to pick T- Tremaine Edmonds, the linebacker for the Buffalo Bills. He had a massive drop off of his uh, his 2018 season. He didn't see a lot of – where would my mouse go? Uh, a lot of – excitement on that buffalo you know buffalo had a really good defense i think they were slept on a lot of the yards a lot of the year last year like they were actually insanely good given the fact josh allen either hits his target or throws a pick it's like watching james winston all (laughs)
1: hey no to be fair to josh allen he doesn't throw a pick he either hits his target or overthrows him by 20 yards
0: (laughs) yeah just 20 yards
1: sometimes it's a safety there that picks it off but (laughs)
0: let's
1: not put him in with james winston
0: no, I know. That was really unfair of me, and I apologize because I, I, I like I, I like Allen. I think he's, he's going to be with the Bills for a, a long time.
1: I'll have to check with him if he accepts your apology or not. Get back Probably not, but that's okay.
0: Who am I? <laughs> um, but last year he had a single interception. He had nine pass defended, one and a half sacks, um, combined 115 tackles, four quarterback hits, a safety, um, which I did nice. not know about. So he had a he had an okay season on tape. Um, I think we want to see a bit more. You know, his 2018 season, he had two interceptions that he returned back, uh, two forced fumbles, twelve pass defended, two sacks, 121 tackles, seven quarterback hits, hmm. um, five tackles for a loss, which he was up last year for that. But I think I just want to see him maybe maybe brought in on on blitzes a bit more give him a chance to get to the quarterback, definitely give him a chance to hit the runner first, try to knock that ball out. Uh, but I think he's going to be an anchor point. He's two years into a four-year, $9.62 million deal with his fifth-year option being available in 2022. Um, and we'll have to wait, Oh, yep, three years into a contract mm. um, with his fifth-year option being available in 2022. So he's still got a couple years left on his rookie deal only his second year, so I just want to see a, a step up again. So you headed down here, now you bounce back, which usually happens to rookie players. They do like great their first year because they're new; nobody knows a lot about them. Then you develop countermeasures, right? And now it's time to learn from those counters and counter the counters, if you will, like the <laughs> the, the, the long game of you know cat and mouse that's played in the NFL.
1: Yep. Oh well, cool. My defensive player pick from is on the same team actually, although he's at the opposite end of his career. Cornerback named Josh Norman, which should be a familiar name to most. He's been regarded as the best in the game, you know, at the height of his career, I would say. And he started out in Carolina, where he was a fifth round pick in two thousand twelve. He spent his first four years in Carolina, but then yeah, he did he had a very kind of messy, weird divorce from that team um I was reading about it because I didn't remember all the details so they had they were going to apply the franchise tag to him instead of sign a long-term deal which is of course what he wanted um but they ended up taking back the offer off the table and then like you mentioned he went to Washington and set on a 4-year 75 million dollar contract and yeah he had a very successful time there Uh, But four years later, he's 32 years old now, and he hit free agency again. And now he's in Buffalo on a one-year, $6 million deal. And interestingly, he's reunited with the head coach there, Sean McDermott. Um, And and in the last couple years in Washington, his play did seem to decline a bit. And age could be a factor, but it also could be a scheme fit issue. Uh, So the hope is that even though he's – you Know just like the rest of us gets a little bit older every year, but hopefully, being back with uh Sean McDermott and in a familiar defensive scheme, I will help him um bounce back you think a little bit. Going to
0: utilize him as just a cover, like a single cover, follow the the, the wide receiver one, or using the cover that half of the field.
1: Yeah, it's interesting because in this instance now in buffalo he's not going to be counted on to i don't think anyway i don't think he'll be counted on to shadow really because they've got um they were a good pass defense last year actually they were the fourth best and they have a, another stud cornerback in Tradavius white so Very norman true. will hopefully get to be on the number two guy or if they're playing a zone or something but the point is i don't think he's going to be asked to go man to man on opponents best receivers anymore Okay. And that might allow him to have a very productive season. And just for the Bills in a whole, they have, or as a whole, they have a really unique opportunity now that for the first time in 19 years, they won't have to go against Tom Brady twice a year.
0: Isn't that insane to think?
1: <laughs> it is 19. Yeah, that's a long time.
0: Well, you can't count out the New York Jets or the Miami Dolphins now. Come on now.
1: Yeah, sorry. I think I did. at least for this year um but yes josh norman got my eye on you just
0: one eye i mean how many eyes do you have
1: Uh, i need a lot right Uh, well we need we need 16 each
0: (laughs) okay i have my two and a pair of glasses and a pair of contacts i have six that's all you're getting out of me (laughs) nice
1: that's close that's like 50 percent, roughly so moving on to our final division here
0: Oh, I really feel that this is maybe the most exciting division in the entire NFL.
1: Certainly could be. Uh, I, I know. I know like, you... I don't
0: care what I think. I think it's going to be the most exciting.
1: <laughs> I know we're going to have some spirited debates in the coming weeks about two of these teams.
0: <laughs> I swear to God, if it's the Raiders, Mike. Uh, no, I,
1: but I think uh, we're going to agree on my first offensive player, I'll just get things rolling here, of Noah Fant, the tight end for the Denver Broncos.
0: Okay, okay, okay. Let's back it up, back it up. I'm with you so far. Beep, beep, beep. Oh, if I could smack you, I would. <laughs> um, quick quick cut back to um, Sony Michelle, real quick. He's on the pup list because he had surgery to remove discomfort in his foot in the offseason. Oh, uh,
1: I think he still probably has a chance to go week one, but... If the surgery was recent, it seems, seems more uh,
0: likely it would be a delayed
1: little start. risky, yeah.
0: But no offense, fan to give it to me.
1: Yes. All right. So he was Denver's first round pick last year, 20th overall. He's a super athletic tight end, and he's a receiving tight end. They're not counting for him or counting on him for too much run support as far as a blocker. They drafted him to be a playmaker and a receiver, essentially. And he has that combination of of size and speed. That's just a matchup nightmare for opposing linebackers and even safeties too. like a lot of rookies. He took about half the season to really get going, which I think is totally fair uh, and reasonable for him. And just to throw some numbers on that in weeks one through eight last year, he averaged just 23 yards per game. But after that, from weeks nine through 17, he that average went up to 47 yards per game. And he was a little bit, a boomer bust, but he had some monster games over the second half of the season. And he really got a chance to show off that speed and playmaking ability there. Um, Like I mentioned, he struggled as a blocker and that was a known weakness in his game coming out of college. And it's not that it's not really, it wasn't unexpected and it's not really what they drafted him for. Right. Um, So he was pretty good with Flacco and then midway through the season, uh, Flacco went down with an injury and then Drew Locke came in. Drew and, Locke! Yeah, and he'll be the starter this year. And oh, so, excited. Yeah, me too. I mean, it's it's fascinating. Like you said, fascinating division. But with Drew Locke, uh, Fant did struggle a little bit. He had 10 or fewer receiving yards in three out of the five games that he and Locke played together. The other two games were, were good. and uh, But we'll see, though. This offseason... Like we've mentioned so many times, they haven't had as much time to uh, get together and get on the same page and everything as they I would in
0: a normal deep into it, but I think with the offense I feel a little bit more confident that we're gonna see because Shermer has a very tight end friendly offense. They yeah. Really a lot more on the run game, which bolstered their offense, which I'll get into at a later time for Ooh. reason.
1: Well, the run game and the pass game, they they really bolstered both and last year uh, i would say fant and uh, Cortland sutton at least after they traded away emmanuel sanders it was really just those two threats in the passing game that the uh, opposing defenses had to worry about about
0: denver though you know denver's always had like two people and that was it you know it was emmanuel sanders and uh marius thomas the marius thomas that were always the two when manning was still there
1: but, they are, but with Manning, they had uh, – I think his name was Julius Thomas, too, at tight end, so – and he who, – Yeah, who but there it was still like,
0: down. a 200, 300-yard difference between, like, number one and two, which was Thomas and uh, – Sanders. Manuel Sanders, and then, like, their third receiver. There was, like, a big difference.
1: Yeah, yeah. I the only point I'm trying to make with the additions is that there's more for the defense to worry about. So they they might have been focusing on Fant more last year than they'll be able to this year, just because Jerry Judy's there now. Like I'm sure you're like you already are teasing, you're gonna talk about Melvin Gordon at some point. And just this offense as a whole has this is what I wrote down there, oozing with potential.
0: <laughs> I don't like that word. <laughs> I don't like when things ooze. That's never good. Well, in, the, in this case, it is good. <laughs> sure. You know what? Never mind. Don't, don't say that.
1: Why <laughs> don't if you tell me about your offensive player pick uh, for
0: this division? Um, it's another rookie. I've picked a lot of rookies in the AFC, it seems like. Um, but I decided to pick a rookie offense, a, a wide receiver that really excited me, and that was Henry Ruggs III, the third of the Ruggs family.
1: Okay. Why are for the the Vegas 20th. 20th. Okay,
0: yeah. Stop being stupid. <laughs> hey, it's not um, that easy. I know. That's these people see what I gotta work with on a daily <laughs> basis, and it's my vodka is gone.
1: Not daily. This is a once a week podcast. Come on, Matt. <laughs> Don't exaggerate.
0: So what we just do our research ten minutes before we hit the record button? That's what I did. <laughs> Can you tell? <laughs> His top speed equals the deep threat for Henry Ruggs III. Okay. Um, and I think that's going to give a, a good amount of stretch to this offense. But I have that also leads they, me to a big concern. He's oozing with speed. <laughs> he is not, in fact, oozing at all. Okay. I'm oozing to smack the crap out of you. <laughs> um, but what I fear is is Derek Carr going to use that to his advantage? Or is Carr's like West Coast tip and dunk type offense? going to hinder Ruggs's potential. Mm-hmm. So I think that's kind of the interesting thing I really want to see is, does that speed equal the deep threat mean that Carr will throw the ball down the field? And if so, will that lead to the eventual, what I think will be an eventual quarterback change? Oh, you do. I have a feeling by week f- Five, six, or seven, There's sort of that time frame, depending on what we see. If Carr has developed and is is stretching down the field with this pick, if if they might be, you know, just to even test the waters, switch them out.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Put Mariota in and see what the offense can do. And I feel like if that does happen, Mariota is gonna grab that horse by horse by the mane and, and take it. Because you know he was benched and replaced heartily in Tennessee and has an opportunity, I think, in L- LV, if you will, yeah. <laughs> to, to sort of have one more shot at it. And I think Gruden is not going to have, and I, you, to use your comment, as long of a leash for Carr as he's had in the past. Yeah. Um, yeah they have a run game to lean on you know they've got he's gonna have not only rugs but he's gonna have renfro terrell williams darren waller for targets yeah so the offense is really there to help car and it's really car's job to lose i just don't want to see rugs's speed tarnished because car isn't willing to throw down the field
1: yeah i think that's a valid concern um I forget who we were having this discussion. Oh, we were talking about the Patriots and their lack of weapons. And, and I think they didn't really have anyone with Ruggs' ability last year. You know, they had, you mentioned Renfro and, and Waller both as sort of underneath short to intermediate route targets, but they didn't really have anybody stretching the field, stretching the defense vertically the way that Ruggs is going to be able to do. And he should be able to give this offense quite a boost if, if Carr utilizes him.
0: And that's when I'm it's almost like I'm watching two players here. I'm watching rugs, but I'm kind of also watching Carr. You know what I mean?
1: Right. You're gonna be I'm watching, watching rugs and be like, hey, he was wide open.
0: Yeah, like I'm gonna get in the in the headset and tell Derek Carr, yeah, hey, listen up here. Listen, yeah. he's he's open. I don't know why you're not throwing the football. Like your job <laughs> is to throw the football, throw it, throw it, throw it, throw it, throw it. I'm not to that guy. <laughs> right. I think the offense just it has what they need to succeed. You know, Josh Jacobs in the backfield, and I feel like it really is. Carr has been handed everything he needs to succeed.
1: No more excuses.
0: Maybe an iffy offensive line, but any good quarterback makes do with it. Just look at Russell Wilson. Yeah, yep. So I, I'm excited to see Rugs's potential. I just hope that it's not squandered.
1: Cool. I like it. You want to flip over to defense, or should I go?
0: I can, I, I I can if you want. I mean, I'm not here to encroach on your territory.
1: You go ahead, because um, I'm still doing some research here.
0: Of course, you are. Last minute Mike—that's what we call you. <laughs> Always finishes <is> last. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uncomfortable. That was the whole point. So I'm ending I'm oozing discomfort right now. Uh, you, <laughs> don't don't make me say it. I'm not going to say anything that's going to cause us to need to use the censor bar yet.
1: I don't want to check that box that says this podcast contains explicit content. <laughs>
0: I have a feeling when we get to our division picks it's gonna so just get that get that queued up and ready. Okay. Denver is where I'm ending my tour of the AFC. Hmm. Um with linebacker Bradley Chubb who suffered a minor ACL tear last year. Um So it was – his season was cut short, a dominant defender.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, When he went down, he had eight sacks, two forced fumbles, and 11 QB hits compared to 12-2 and 21 in 2018. So Mm -hmm. he was actually on pace to outperform 2018 before he got hurt. And the whole reason I picked him is because ACL tears are major in this sport. Yep and a lot of players are not the same when they come back. I want to see if Bradley Chubb continues to be that dominant defender that he was on pace to be. Can you imagine if he had stayed healthy, how close he was to breaking out for a second season in a row?
1: Right, and across from Von Miller, that's just a lethal combination.
0: That's a two-prong attack that I think offensive coordinators hate because you can't double cover really either one of them Yeah, because then you have no one to block the center of the line. So I, I pick Bradley Chubb because I want to see his bounce back season. Had a minor injury, an ACL tear. I want to see him match, at least match 2018 with 12, 2, and 21. And That's that concludes my AFC picks.
1: That's a great pick. I like it. And weirdly enough, in in parallel, my last pick is also a guy who missed most of last season with an injury. But he's on the Chargers, he's their safety. His name is Derwin James. And he was the Chargers first round pick back in 2018. And he was the 17th overall selection that year. Uh, So last year uh, was his second season. But coming out of college, Derwin James. his major strengths he has great coverage ability and he's big he's he's kind of tall for a safety a lot of them are right around uh six feet or slightly under but he's wow I didn't even write it down I just wrote that he's big (laughs) anyway his size allows him to match up well with with tight ends which uh is going to be really important in this division like tying into my offensive pick of Noah Fant this is going to be the matchup a lot of times when these teams play, it's going to be Derwin James trying to cover Noah Fant. So Mm -hmm. I can watch both my picks at the same time.
0: Hey, that makes it pretty easy. Yeah.
1: But he's, he's fast with good ball hawk instincts. Uh, He's familiar with both man and zone coverages. And his size also allows him to be very effective in run support as well. Mm Mm-hmm. And ironically enough, the the biggest weakness that I read about in his draft profile is that he drops interceptions.
0: So he gets himself yeah, into that's position. Your biggest weakness, I think you're kind of ahead you're, of the curve. There. You're on the right track,
1: yeah, definitely.
0: Because that's so, just a matter of running a few wide receiver drills to get your hands a little bit more comfortable.
1: Yeah, to just
0: the ball, and you're ready to go.
1: Just as a quick aside, you like you, you referenced reference that drill. You always see teams working on that, harping on that. But I feel like there's at least one dropped interception in every single game. It's so bizarre.
0: Yeah. I'd say at least one, but you're talking usually, I don't know, five. <laughs> How many times do you hear the announcers? Oh, and he should have had that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The amount All of times the fans are that. like, yeah,
0: we're well aware. he should have had that
1: The amount of times. I've heard that in in Madden from me making terrible decisions right through his hands. He almost had the pick. And that's very realistic, actually. <laughs> back, to, back to Derwin James. Uh, he had a very productive rookie year, started all 16 games, uh, 98 tackles, three and a half sacks, and three interceptions. Uh, but then in the middle of training camp last year, middle of August, he was diagnosed with a stress fracture in his foot. He had to have Surgery. Yeah, right. He had to have surgery, went on IR, and ended up missing the first 11 games of last season. And the good news out of that is he he came back, played the last five games of 2019, and didn't have any setbacks. He wasn't insanely productive in those games. He didn't necessarily um, produce the way that he did his whole rookie season, but he didn't aggravate the injury, and I think that's a, a big positive. So he's coming into 2020 fully healthy, ready to lead this defense uh, once again. And just on that note, I think this defense led by him, Derwin James and Joey Bosa. I think the defense... Bosa. I know you love you some, Bosa. Uh, And and I really think this is going to be a defensive identity uh, team. They've got a lot of overhaul on the offensive side with uh, Rivers gone, Terod Taylor coming in, along with their uh, rookie draft pick of Justin Herbert. So, uh, And and I think he can do it. He's going to have to step up. Go back to his rookie form, try to even improve upon that. But I think this is going to be a very dynamic defense, and James will be the leader.
0: I like it. I like it. Whew. I'm exhausted. I think that's everything, right? That's all I our... think that wraps up the the entire NFL at that point with our, our, our players. players. Yep. It's going to be a long season, brother. A lot of 32 players between the two of us that we got to keep our eyes on,
1: <laughs> which is going to be tricky uh, as we count it up i think i have the same as you we have six eyes each
0: <laughs> yeah so that's 12 out of 32 let me do some quick math here yeah i'll leave that to you
1: <laughs> i was gonna say the same thing anyway yeah i think that's a wrap on this episode these those are all our prove it players that's who we're going to be watching um any parting thoughts before we say goodbye
0: yeah, I have one one burning question.
1: Uh-oh. I'm, I'm <laughs> moving with anticipation.
0: Where does Emperor Palpatine get all of his designer cloaks? At the Darth Mall. <laughs> oh, you got both of them. Are you Googling this?
1: I swear I'm not. You didn't hear any keyboards clacking
0: (laughs) no but you do have a phone that i would never notice
1: that's true we don't have video going right now
0: not yet anyway
1: you'll never know (laughs) yeah one day
0: but nope that's that's all i wanted to end it on a on a jokey note
1: cool i like it
0: but i want to thank everybody for uh tuning in mike it's a pleasure as always
1: why do i feel like you're lying
0: no, that's that's sincere. I mean, what do you, what do you want? Do you want me to send you a, a crying emoji? Like I don't know.
1: I mean, that's what I'm used to. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's been fun. I'm I love having these discussions with you. Um, and then if if anyone else listening, if you have any thoughts, want to continue the conversation, tell us why we're idiots, why we're wrong. <laughs> feel well, free.
0: No, we know why you are, but that's beside the point.
1: Yeah, that's true. But if we want to learn about Matt he needs to be taken down a peg please someone go for it (laughs) we're on Twitter Instagram I'll be waiting alright that's terrifying
0: (laughs) I guess we'll see you guys next time alright peace out bye Mike we hope you enjoy listening to this episode of the 2M football show with Mike and Matt please subscribe to be aware of our future podcasts Follow us at social media at 2M Football Show. If you feel like donating to help out the show, follow us and check out our Patreon. We'll see you in the next episode.